Yeah, let's watch a movie, guys. Top Gun, we're following Meg Ryan to inner space. Inner space, we are going to follow Dennis Quaid to the right stuff. Right stuff, we are following Ed Harris to Apollo 13. Bill Paxton from Apollo 13 to Predator 2. Then uh, Adam Baldwin to Independence Day. Listen, old buddy, uh, they promise we'll stop at the next gas station. They request that you remain in a holding pattern till then. On October 14th, 1947, Captain Charles Yeager shattered the sound barrier. Propelled man into the future. And the search began for a new breed of men. Men who were fearless. You've heard about our project. Sounds dangerous. It's very dangerous. Count me in. Ambitious. Who's the best pilot you ever saw? Patriotic beyond question. I just thank God I live in a country where the best and the finest in a man can be brought out. My pleasure to introduce to you America's Mercury Excellence. Seven men who would risk their lives in a hurtling piece of machinery to cross the threshold of space. It takes a special kind of man to volunteer for a suicide mission, especially when it's on TV. If anybody goes up in the damn thing, it's gonna be spam in a can. What happened? He blew the hatch! I did not do anything wrong! You're gonna think of the broader interests of this program. You are way out of line here! I'm out of line! Yes, sir! This is the story of the special few at the very top. The elite brotherhood whose achievements inspired a nation and captured the imagination of the world. These are the men who had the right stuff. They all want to see Buck Rogers, and that's us. Hello, and welcome to a very special episode of the Fire Pit Podcast. We've got we've hit a major, major milestone today, as today, today marks our 100th episode come on guys isn't that huge totally hard to believe 100 episodes right you might want to check the notes there josh yeah, yeah just just uh off just a little off a little bit there man just, uh, few numbers few numbers yeah it's, uh, hey, minus hey. a couple couple third 50 90 something like that shut up um <laughs> okay, let me let, let me try that again um hi welcome to the eighth 
episode of the Fire Pit Podcast. I'm Reginald, American name Josh, and uh, last week <laughs> we watched the 1987 cult classic Inner Space, starring our uh, connector Meg Ryan, Dennis Quaid, and Martin Short. And the consensus was between the three of us that we liked it. And as per our rules, we've taken the actor from that film, as I said. And we continue on to the road to Independence Day. Woo! And now, to tell us what we're watching tonight and how it links. To Dan, I will kick it to. Hello, Dan here, British name Nigel. And tonight, we are watching The Right Stuff. Starring, looks up at IMDb, everyone. Everyone. Seriously, there's a lot of names in this movie. But the most important name that we need to hear tonight is Dennis Quaid. Uh, he was the star of the last movie we watched, Inner Space. So he will be the one that connects us to the right stuff. Just a bit of trivia, though, that we missed last week. Uh, just want to recap real quick last week. One thing I noticed, we all three of us were talking about how much we were impressed by the special effects in Inner Space. And um, the day after the podcast was recorded, I was closing the tabs for my notes and I can't believe I missed this, but the movie actually won an Academy Award for special effects in 1988. So, oh, no shit. Yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. I can't believe I missed it. I feel bad not mentioning it. As um, much as we talked about that during the podcast. Yeah, we, I, yeah. I, I, re-listening to the podcast, we mentioned it pretty much from the opening credits, how much we enjoyed the special effects, how much we enjoyed the special effects. And I can't believe I had IMDb and Wikipedia right in front of me. Both of them mentioned the movie met, won an Academy Award for special effects, and I blanked on it the whole time. So, well, we were just we were so in awe of the special effects, we couldn't see anything else. Right. So, <laughs> I'm going to send this to Tom now, and Tom is going to give us the rundown on tonight's film, The Right Stuff. Well, thank you, Nigel. It's right that you send the right stuff to the right man. This is Thompson, American name Tom, and yes, tonight we are going to watch. A fantastic film. We were led from Top Gun to Inner Space with Meg Ryan, a staple of American comedies. But this one is going to be... I'm excited for this one. Uh, this one is obsessively about the space race. Uh, the American side of things starts with Chuck Yeager breaking the sound barrier and takes us all the way to the Mercury mission. It's a star-studded affair with star-studded names. Um, this came out on October 21st, 1983. The rating was PG. The runtime was 193 minutes. We have a Rotten Tomato score of 96% with the critics and 90% with the audience. So one of the few cases on Rotten Tomatoes were Everyone's pretty agreement. Revenue also, was about a little under, well, a little over $21 million. That's 80s money right there, baby. So this was a blockbuster. While we that, won't see Neil Armstrong in this movie, because as Josh mentioned, he was hired on with the next group of astronauts. You will see some actors playing some names that are, if you've studied the early days of NASA, are pretty familiar. Gus Grissom, Deke Slayton, Alan yeah, Shepard. Of- yeah, Alan Shepard, Gus Grissom. You'll see a lot of like early NASA pioneers. All the buildings in NASA are named after these guys. So it's like, yes, know. yes. And yeah. uh, it's it's really interesting, too, because Mercury astronauts really didn't go on, like with a couple of exceptions, didn't go on to participate in a lot of other missions. Like Walter Schirau, he was one of the few Mercury astronauts that was in Mercury, Gemini and Apollo missions. Gus Grissom would have been, but unfortunately, he died in the Apollo 1 disaster. Alan Shepard, he wasn't in the Gemini missions, 
but he was the commander of Apollo 14, famously known for being the only astronaut to golf on the moon. Oh, so all the pictures of the astronaut teeing off on the moon are Alan Shepard? Yep, yep. he snuck golf. I like, did not he, know that. He, he snuck three golf balls into his personal bag. He uh, made a makeshift golf club out of a sample retriever, and then he hit a golf ball on the moon. So he's the only <laughs> one. To- That's even better than what nice. I thought it was. I thought NASA, I thought it was a thing NASA had him do. It's like, bring your golf club up with some balls. It'll be hilarious. Oh, no. <laughs> but, but another fun thing about uh, Gus Grissom, he was the second American in space. He was on the first Gemini mission, the Gemini 2, I think it was. He went up with probably one of my favorite astronauts, John Young. And I was like, I don't know why that name escaped me for a split second. But uh, John Young smuggled a corned beef sandwich in his outfit up into space. So, yeah. And did he get shit for that? A lot of it, yeah. Yeah, they, they, he almost got threatened to uh, never fly again. <laughs> That's awesome. So I'm looking forward to this movie. One quick point I wanted to bring up before we get the movie started, and I noticed this with the last few podcasts and the last few movies we watched. This is a slower movie. This isn't an action film. So I'm not going to really get to talk about this in my final thoughts. But, Tom, you, you kind of glanced over just a little bit in inner space and Top Gun back-to-back. But the last few action movies we've watched, Doom, Starship Troopers, Top Gun, and last week, Inner Space, which isn't so much an action movie as much as it is a dramedy. But those movies, they're action movies, but they're so different from modern action movies. Mm-hmm. You kind of glanced on it a little bit with Top Gun and, and with Starship Troopers. Those The movies are action-packed. There's no two ways around it. They're action-packed, but they're just... They have moments where they let the audience just kind of take in what's mm-hmm. going on and have some slowdown moments for, you know, just, just pump the brakes just a little bit. But yet Josh and I are talking about like some modern action movies where it's just set piece after set piece, after set piece, explosion, after explosion, after explosion, after explosion. Yeah. We right. compare, we, we, we famously compare Terminator dark fate compared to Terminator two. It's like every Terminator movie after Terminator two tries to be Terminator two and every fails miserably in that regard. Mm-hmm. But it's like Terminator 2 has five, maybe six major action sequences. But there's a lot of breathing room in between those action sequences. Terminator Dark Fate has five action sequences before Sarah Connor shows up. Yeah, And that, I don't know where the confusion's coming. In the film, you definitely have to have something happening at all time, whether character growth or development, <laughs> something that shows that the story is progressing. Yeah, and, like, and I think in... what's happening is, and I think you're going to agree with me on this one too, most modern directors, writers, even audience members mistake something happening with distraction. And you have to be distracted at all times. And that's mm-hmm. the new philosophy. Yeah, it's, I... It, I, I don't know where it started. I don't know what movie particularly started this trend of, I want to. I call them now the, the modern action movies. I'm, I'm going to call them concussion movies because it goes back to when we went to go see Transformers 4 or mm-hmm. 3 or 5 or whatever one we saw in the theater where I joked when I came out that I came out with a concussion. Because that movie was another movie where it was just like it was banger after banger after banger after banger. Like it just the movie never once took a second to just slow down mm-hmm. and breathe. Just let the audience breathe for a minute. You can even only for a minute, if even if only for just a few minutes, and then you can still progress the, the movie forward. But, I, yeah, I, I mean, like, like uh, go ahead, like, Josh. La- yeah, like last week, we, we mentioned it then too, but that one scene, it was like what three minutes long where. Martin Short 
came into Dennis Quaid's apartment and they got drunk together and they're like, let me see what you look like. I have no idea what you look like. It's like that was wasn't like a super action packed scene, but it was it was important for us as a viewer because it let us watch the two main characters connect. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, these characters are really close to, to each other, literally. So let them figuratively grow together. Give them that chance to become friends so that that connection means something later in the movie. Mm-hmm. And back to Top Gun, too, it's like the character dynamic between Maverick and Iceman and some of the other bigwigs. There wasn't a need to be, oh, I can't even think of the word for it, uh, just excessive in your face about it. It was a natural kind of dynamic. Iceman was the by the books pilot and the uppers were reasonable and they're dressing down maverick for his to <laughs> pardon the pun maverick attitude there mm-hmm. wasn't that whole and we touched on that too there wasn't excessive drama about it there wasn't just in your face edginess no one gave a shit about his dad having been shot down in vietnam or anything like that that wasn't that was an aspect of maverick's character it was not a lynch wasn't a plot plot device and it also wasn't the it wasn't the reason iceman didn't like him yeah like iceman didn't iceman didn't hate mavericks or your dad your dad was a was a a hot shot pilot too and look what it got him like that's Iceman never says anything like that in the movie. Yeah. That's not the reason Iceman and him have friction. Him and yeah. Iceman have friction because they're two different types of pilots. Mm-hmm. Iceman, Iceman is a more by-the-books kind of pilot, and Maverick is, well, he's a Maverick. And by so, every uh, regard, Iceman is the better pilot. Yeah, and those parts of Maverick, if you bring them to the forefront, they're not bringing the plot or moving anything forward. They're just thrown there to distract you. It's yeah. a distraction. Well, I was just saying that it's just... um watching these older i don't know how i say older but i mean you know the 90s was 30 years ago these older action films and just seeing how much different they are from current action films and you can't mistake the fact that top gun's not a roller coaster action film that's boom 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 and mm-hmm. it progress and the, the plot progresses at, quote another pun here mock speed um, <laughs> you know the the plot goes quickly and they're action movies they're not you know but they're just so different from the action movies of today, at least the, the, by the numbers action movies. Uh, I, I get what you're saying. It's like, I think that's why John wick was so successful is because John no. wick is almost a, a return to that kind of an action movie where yeah. Yeah, it does move quickly. And there's a lot of fights in John wick. And there's I think a lot I get, of like, you, you, you said something about a roller coaster. It's like mo- that movie. You said it was a roller coaster top gun, right? Yeah. And I think the thing is, it's like, Every, like good movies is a double kind of a double roller coaster one of emotion one of action it's just on the lulls on one you have to have a high on the other mm-hmm. and it just seems like that uh, you never get that lull on modern ones where the you get the lull on the action roller coaster but the emotional roller coaster is just you know a train yeah mm-hmm. I, and i think that's why some action movies that have taken off in, in, in pop culture have taken off like they have. And they're, they're kind of remembered more fondly than the ones that quote unquote made more money. Like no one's denying that the transformers movies don't make buckets of money, mm-hmm. but I honestly get the plots of each movie confused. I can't remember what the plot of the second one was versus the plot of the third one. I can't, well, you know, you, you know, at the end of the one movie where they're all trying to protect the one device from the one Decepticon, because if they get it, it's going to destroy all of the other 
Autobots and they're going to lose the war. Right. Right. And then, yeah. so I, I can't remember the plots of each individual movie. And I, well, I just I described all of them. And other than, <laughs> other than the first, and other than the first one, I can't think of any quotable lines from any of the Transformers okay. movies. With the exception of the first one, which I only, I like the first one. I know it's, and the I like one that one. The charm to it, but the yes, sequel is so bad. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. The first one has some charm to it, but the first one has some charm nostalgia. I love mm-hmm. the 1984 Transformers animated movie. As an objective viewer of that movie, it's garbage. As a 36-year-old man looking at it through the lens of like a six-year-old boy, that movie is pure magic. Yeah. And like I, when 2007 came out, I was that six-year-old boy again. And I love that movie, and I still have that like feeling watching that movie to this day. But objectively, it's not a great movie, but it is fun. And like I think all the memorable lines out of that one are just reuses of yeah. uh, lines, you know, like till all Trans- are one. Yeah, or, or that, that, I don't think that one would. Say and there, he uses, not, he uses uh, the when Megatron and Optimus are about to face off, they both say the one shall stand, one shall fall line. Yeah. Sentience yeah. is the right of all living beings or something like that. Yeah, which actually Optimus yeah. never once said on the cartoon. That was actually on the back of his action figure. I thought um, he said that in the movie. No, he never – he says it in the first – in the 2007 live action movie, but Optimus Prime never said that line in either the cartoon or I don't think he said it in the cartoon. 84. I thought he said it in the movie. No, he never says it in the, in the 84 or the whatever, the 86 movie either. He never said it on screen. The whole freedom is the right of all sentient beings is on his – title card on if you bought his action figure it was that was his quote but yeah but he uh, and he never that's why the line was in the movie because when the movie was in pre-production they had a contest where you could vote right you could write in yeah you could write in and and write in a line for optimus to say in the movie and everyone overwhelmingly wrote in freedom is the choice or freedom is the right of all sentient beings because he never actually said it they wanted to hear peter cullen say that line so badly and it was such a good read too. But anyway, we're, we're, we're read. making a major tangent here, gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, we went down a nostalgia I, hole. Yeah, I I was just gonna preface saying that the reason why Transformer Transformers makes tons of money, but they're not very memorable. But I think some of these other action movies, like John Wick, the reason why they're so successful is because they're a return to form mm-hmm. from these action movies of the '90s and the late '80s, where. Yes, there's a lot of action. There's a lot of gunfights and, and martial arts and stuff going on, and some really cool moments. But yeah, there's, there's a lot of really building. engaging. But there's engaging characters. All the John Wick movies have really engaging characters. Not just John Wick. Other characters in the movie. There's moments where they let the audience breathe so that you can take in the movie for a second. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and and they tell the story very very well. So that's just what I'm saying. That's why I think they're successful. Is because they're not trying anything new. They're just going back to what worked. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And just it, honestly, it feels like evolution. What 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 you did wrong? It's like yeah. just stop. Just evolution. Stop. It's like they took what worked and they flanderized it. Yeah. Well, you know, I... it's like modern cinema is just the flanderization of late '90s, early double lot action movies. Well, I do think we are throwing a lot of shade on modern cinema. We are. We, we, we're, we're doing we're, mostly we blockbuster should, stuff. Yeah, the mass appeal films. Because ma- I'm thinking. No, I'm, how- not, I'm not throwing too much shade because I just got done saying how much the John Wick movies are really, really good. So, yeah, mm-hmm. but also keep in mind, John Wick, the first one especially, that one was super popular through word of mouth. It did not get a very huge box office return or a wide release. I know it didn't, but that's why I'm saying that's why those, but more people remember from John Wick than they do from Transformers. Yeah. Because the movie was better. 
Last, mm-hmm. you know, it was more, it was better. And in a similar vein, I'm off the top of my head, Driver, um, A Place Beyond the Pines, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, those sorts of films, especially. Yeah, but those aren't marketed yeah. as uh, action films either. Yeah, Baby Driver, least... I would say that too. That was a good one. That was mm-hmm. a great film. I love that. But that wasn't, again, of course, I don't really remember the marketing for that one. But uh, as far as I can remember, that one wasn't marketed in the same vein as in modern action. Yeah, and, and even though the sequels are, are hot garbage, uh, well, I wouldn't say hot garbage, but the sequels are not very good. I would I would put the, the first Taken in that category of really good modern action movies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They stop distracting themselves with the needless stuff and just say, people are here to see a dude shoot a gun and kick some ass. Let's just focus on that, guys. Mm-hmm. That was 2007, too, wasn't it? Yeah. Wow. Holy cow. But we are going on a tangent now, again, of action movies. So I just wanted to bring that up. Um, this movie that we're watching tonight is not an action film. It's a, it's a com- or not a comedy. It's a drama. Mm-hmm. But this is a good movie. This is a good movie. And I and actually my- haven't seen this movie um, since. Like, I watched it recently, within the past year or two. But mm-hmm. then I've read the book. So the book is phenomenal if you have not read the book i I highly recommend it i read the book in high school it definitely expands a lot more on the aviation aspect of things but the way he writes it is he writes it like a novel he doesn't write it like a history book Mm -hmm. so obviously it's not a hundred percent historically accurate but it is a fantastic book so if i'll pitch audible here but i love if you get audible pick up the right stuff by i think tom wolf is the name and Audible, if you want to pay us money to advertise your stuff officially, give us a give us an email. I've been a loyal loyal subscriber to Audible since like two thousand seven. Save it for when we get paid, Josh. Get the money up front. No, no, I'm just saying. I've I've been a loyal subscriber. I, 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 <laughs> you want me as a spokesman? <laughs> Keep that in mind, Audible. Keep that in mind. Personally, also, I'm excited. I have not seen this film at all. I am going in blind. Oh, um, wow. So we're going to have some great final thoughts at the end of this. So Yes. And as someone who's been to space camp. Yeah. I got one question going into this. Um, Tom. Josh. Who was the first American in space? Dan, don't let, don't, don't answer. And Tom, don't uh, look it up. I'm totally not googling this no, it's, seriously, it's I, I, alan shepard right it. yes Is it alan shepard yes space okay. camp baby yeah i love the way that they play that off in the movie it's just like Oh, is the Titanic going to sink? I don't know, guys. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I think on that note, guys, I think we can get this movie started. All right. All right, well, All right Tom, cue the music. Do, 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 do. Hello and welcome to yet another thrilling episode of The Fire Pit. I am your interspersal host, editor, and fellow astronaut trainer, Tom. Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away to a podcast where we watch films every Friday, but which probably won't get posted right away, cause editing is not as easy as they say. We are at our third film on our road to Independence Day, The Right Stuff. A fantastic goal post and stop post on this journey we're on. Hopefully you're watching along or watching afterwards or watching in between or just watching in general. Because uh, honestly, as we've noted a couple times, 
in this and will note if you're a geek of space or just someone who digs historical dramas this movie is definitely up your alley as noted in the last episode we finally have an email account up and running uh, you can reach us at curtain call entertainment inc at gmail.com reach out to us for any thoughts comments movie recommendations or anything else that might be on your mind or along those lines like i said before we're probably not going to respond to you but we'll try to read them at some point again that's curtain call entertainment inc capital c capital c capital e capital i at gmail.com no official sponsorships yet but Here's what you can expect once we do get one. What I miss? The latest mobile game craze, actual space program, which <laughs> unlike unlike Kerbal, which just lets you build rockets in infinitum and then can test them, actual space program lets you deal with the actual bureaucracy and budget cuts and more budget cuts and so many budget cuts that eventually you can't even lift rockets off anymore. Later levels, too, you can actually have the experience of having to go before Congress and defend having your budget only slashed in half to do four times what you're able to do. It's, it's an amazing game. It makes you feel the ennui, the crushing despair of having to deal with bureaucracy in the face of actually helping humankind progress. Congratulations, we've just approved you a new space program. And guess what? We've canceled it. So we're going to get you a new one in a year. But until and, then, deal with a cut budget. And no matter what progress you make, even if you're able to make your goals on the limited budget, you will still have to deal with public sentiment being against you because you're wasting all that money that could be spent on so many better things like... You never know, because they never tell you. Also deal with broken promise after broken promise after broken promise as every single politician, Republican and Democrat, campaigns to increase spending for your program and never, ever, ever delivers. Everybody wants to live the American dream again, but nobody is willing to put their foot forward and actually do it. Yeah. You'll laugh as politician A promises to get to Mars if elected. And you'll cry when politician B slashes the budget. The best you'll get is a populist who swears he's going to make an entire military branch based on space only to get a Netflix show to steal it away from it because they did not license the lame. What an interesting game. It sounds like every other mobile game where it's honest to God pay to win. Oh, actual space program. And I'll let you get back to the podcast. Thank you for listening. And as always, good luck. <laughs> All right. So this movie was awesome. Yeah, I want to get your thoughts first, Tom, because you're going you were you went into this movie blind. So fire away. All right. Well, I've taken a few notes on some of the thoughts I had here, and I look forward to getting your guys' thoughts, too, on your – I mean, Nigel, this is, what, your second or third time. Josh, this is similar. That For me, I've seen a lot of uh, historical dramatizations, as you will, especially modern ones. We had a recent one about landing on the moon and everything else, and Perfect. God knows how many others. This one – I know they dramatize a few things just to really kind of like... Because you, know, you have to. It, 
Yeah, you had to, but it it wasn't overt. It they didn't overplay the personality, sort of dramatic flaws. Yeah, the, they showed these people as humans, but it wasn't like the womanizing wasn't um, a crippling flaw or the, anything else. The, the the dramatization wasn't distracting. Uh, yeah, there wasn't. Like, oh, go ahead. Yeah, so you were probably going to say the same thing I am. Like there was the personality conflicts between them, but it. Uh, I'm looking at the latest seasons of Star Trek, especially Discovery, where it's so overt, the dramatic tension between all of these people who are supposed to be professionals. And here mm -hmm. we have like a movie. It's like, yeah, there's a few headbutt scenes, but at the end of the day, they're all in the same program. They're all professionals. They're all there to get to space. Yeah, it's like they're there to do their jobs. All mm -hmm. the drama that's added off scene doesn't affect the main plot it's just you know it's like look these guys are human mm -hmm. well i wouldn't say i wouldn't say the drama doesn't affect the main plot the drama does drive the plot it's just the drama feels like uh realistic drama and not made for hollywood drama you know like yeah well like i, I obviously I'm, I'm looking at it through the lens of a uh amateur a movie, nasa historian but, yeah but it's obviously not a movie it, it's a movie based off of a book based off of you know it's not necessarily a historical document mm -mm. so you know these are real lives it adds that level of realism and human uh, humanity to these characters but mm -hmm. it doesn't drive the plot if that Although, you know it, yeah and it's speaking of driving the plot too it's just i also loved um i know it's kind of a condensed a little bit dramatized but how much progress was made uh, or driven, excuse me, by ego of so many of these people. The space program was driven by the ego to do better and beat the Russians. The appeal of the astronauts to come together in some of those scenes was to beat monkeys. So people wouldn't look at them as just test monkeys. The appeal, the astronauts appeal to the engineers, uh, like to pander to the press, just ego. So much ego was going into getting us to the moon not even just the fact that it would progress humanity and technologies like oh yeah no, we're gonna no we got bigger dicks than everyone else here we're gonna prove it boom pretty much pretty much we had to be the best i mean that's what i said like we just need another good space race to get a, americans back up in space like mm -hmm, well mm -hmm. to get us to back to mars i should say Oh, well, Bezos and um, Elon kind of have road. their own. Yeah, they kind of have their own little ego thing, but yeah, but Bezos isn't doing nearly as much. I mean, he's still funding it himself. He doesn't even have customers. SpaceX has customers. Mm -hmm. He's he's lacking in the villain department or hero department, depending on which way you look at it. Ford. I firmly believe that Elon Musk is more aligned with Lex Luthor than he is with Tony Stark. <laughs> <laughs> I love Elon to death, but I still feel like he's more of a Lex Luthor. Yeah, and I, I think Bezos is also Lex Luthor. We have no Bruce Wayne's. We have no Tony Stark in this. We know. We really don't. We don't. <laughs> and honestly, given how Elon Musk is in everything, I can totally see 
how Lex Luthor got elected to be president of the United States. Oh yeah, yeah. Right? Can, <laughs> honestly, and and you can see like like it's so funny how the internet goes with Elon Musk. I mean, literally, we love him one month and we hate him and loathe him the next month. Yes. So you can easily see how Lex, who could get elected president, because I can imagine that he could just change a few things over the course of a month and all of a sudden the American people would be like, hell yeah, he should be president. Whereas Clark Kent is literally <laughs> just pointing at him going, huh? He kills people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but have you tried the LexPhone 9? Oh my God, this this touchscreen is amazing. Yeah. American people were like, he really is what's best for this country. Whereas <laughs> like the rest of the Justice League is like just pointing at him like, Wait, what? Do we want some drunk womanizer like Bruce Wayne? I mean, come on, that guy. Hashtag time's up. Am well, I right? Well, well, Bruce isn't running for president, but still, I mean, why would we vote for Lex? <laughs> why are we dumb? But anyway, <laughs> but going back to the movie. Why are we dumb? But going back to the movie. Um, well, actually, you know what, Josh? I, I'm, I'm still writing something down what, what were your final thoughts here i always love a good nasa biopic even though if it's not a bio a biopic is about a one an individual usually but a good historical drama i eat these up and mm. honestly it amazes me that it took me so long like, this movie was one of those ones where it's like i always saw it but i never watched it growing up and i didn't watch it until i was an adult and this is i was an adult and had read the biographies of majority of Apollo era astronauts. Just, just out of curiosity, which was the friend that told you to go and watch this movie? It was mm. definitely, definitely Tom. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. I remember That's that cool. conversation. Yeah, cool. yeah. Good on was... Tom. Good on Tom. You're an ass, by the way, but good on Tom. <laughs> For our viewer listeners, it was actually Dan. I was just wanting, wanting to dig that that knife in a little deeper just because I knew that's what he was wanting. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll be sure to give it back to you when the quarantine ends. <laughs> but no, it's like, I do enjoy it. And like, it definitely prompted me to read the book and I loved the book, but uh, I, I've read a lot of astronaut biographies and this is in line with a lot of them, but it was a different perspective on, on them. The book was at least, but it was enjoyable watching the movie because it like, it was obviously 1983. So yeah. the effects weren't great. The acting was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And like, I remember reading, what was it? Alan Shepard. Uh, I can't think of the guy's name who played Alan Shepard. He was the only one of the actors who did not meet with the person they were playing. He's like, he met with everybody else. He's like, I want to learn. And I may get in this. I may be getting this confused with Ed Harris and John Glenn. So it may have been Ed Harris, Alan Shepard. I'm pretty sure it was Alan Shepard. Where it's like, I want to know how everybody saw him, and that's how that's who I want to be. Oh, he went with the the uh, perspective. Yeah. Oh, so, so instead of playing the character, he played what everybody saw him as. That's a novel approach. Yeah, he didn't actually meet Alan Shepard until after the movie was released or filming I... was done. I forget what it was. Hmm. I mean, I. I can see the logic behind that. Uh, I don't know. Whew, I'm I'm wrapping my head around that one because really, even if you're spending your entire time with a person to play them as a character, they're still going to put on a facade for you. That's that you're going to portray. So I can't say it's any worse or better. But you're going to get. You're, no, you're going to. You'll get a 
more information than you would if like I was trying to somebody came in there and they wanted to learn about you, but all they did was ask talk to me and Dan. Well, it wouldn't be a good picture, but <laughs> <laughs> what do how do we see Tom? Oh boy. He would he would show up. This is not what I expected. If somebody if somebody was making a movie about Tom and said came up to me and said, so how does everyone see Tom? Or what's, what are Tom's things? What does what he like to do? And I'd be like, take the movie that's the most popular in the box office right now and tell everybody that likes it they're stupid. <laughs> and wear a hat. Yeah, and always wear a hat. Just different hat every wear day. Not hat. the same hat. Every, just a hat. Wear, but not a ball cap. Don't wear like a regular baseball a cap. cap. It's got to it's be like a hat. Like a... Like a I love that you focus on that and you none of you mentioned the fact that I'm always an hour late to everything. Oh, no, no. So, we'd go yeah. into that, too. We'd go into yeah, that, yeah, too. Yeah, we would. We would. But no. But, uh, yeah, I love <laughs> this is a good movie. Back to that. <laughs> all in all, this was a long movie. It's it was, a long movie. It's, a, it was, you know, long it's movie. three hours and 13 minutes. It feels like three hours and 13 minutes. Thank God, though, Pathfinder was only 90 minutes and felt like three hours and 13 minutes. Yes, it did. They're taking about 10 plus years of the space program up to that point and trying to condense it down to a three hour film. So, yeah, it's it's impressive they got that much. Um, it's also impressive to think that this was just the first third. OK, but I wanted to say, though in my final thoughts that this movie is three hours and 13 minutes. It feels like a three hour and 13 minute movie, but it also has three hours and 13 minutes worth of meaningful content in yeah. the movie. I never it's, felt like there was a scene that dragged on too long. I never felt like there was a scene that was just filler to be filler. I never felt like there was needless exposition just so they can pad out the runtime. I mm -hmm. felt like the movie, the movie is a long movie and unlike Lord of the Rings is a three hour plus movie. The first, the, all three of the Lord of the Rings movies, but they don't really feel like three hour movies because they go by so quickly. But mm -hmm. except for the multiple endings at the end of the third one. But this movie does feel like a long movie. It is a, a, a three hour plus movie. It feels like a three hour plus movie, but it does have three hours worth of content in it. I, never I think felt it like... feels like a three hour plus movie because unlike previous movies we've been watching, it isn't defined as an action movie. This is very firmly seated in the drama. <laughs> You're right. You're right. Like, like you know, when, going back to Lord of the Rings, it's a three-hour movie, but like one hour of that movie is is a major battle. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's a huge battle, huge action piece that whereas, you know goes by quickly. Um, whereas this movie didn't have any. Obviously, it's not an action movie, so it's not going to have any major battles or any major engagements. Mm -hmm. But it does feel like there's three hours worth of meaningful content in yeah, this. Yeah, I mean, movie. it's all character development and world building. I mean, yeah. obviously it's based off real, real life, but mm -hmm. you know, it's like, we get that in there. I mean, cause these rocket launches, I mean, the longest rocket launch we managed or dealt with was John Glenn's. And that was like five minutes on screen. And does anyone want to talk about some of the cinematography choices? Cause there are a few ones that stood out for me in particular, the, um, the moments where we, they were portraying the Russians and just that weird sort of surreal, like not human kind of this otherly force those brief moments like almost mo like nightmarish just like this evil thing that just lingered just oh uh, like it was uh the vo the the uh, i would assume was the russian prime minister laughing mm -hmm. at the exhaust of the flames yeah the rockets or whatever yeah mm -hmm. they definitely portrayed them as the bad guy 
not even a tangible well, bad guy. Just like uh, well, keep keep in mind this movie is about the space race, and that was mm-hmm. us against the Soviets. To the movie was made in 1983. This Cold War was still very much a real thing, especially in the 80s. I, I can forgive them for portraying Russia as the bad guys because oh I you know. don't oh I'm not I'm not dogging them on that oh, okay, one. I, okay. I just thought it was a clever clever choice he didn't see like any like the other side of the wall what they were doing just like they were this concept that yeah. lurked and then when we think we're making progress and doing something there they are laughing with their and Soviet you, rockets do you notice how many times they use that exact same scene just slight variations just enough to make you know it's not the same thing they filmed it three different ways of the mm-hmm. guy running down the hall and opening the door mm-hmm. that's that's an homage to another uh scene i've seen it used a couple times especially oh, yeah uh, I mean, that is a very common trope in hollywood but mm-hmm. uh i'm just saying they constantly use that whenever the soviets would do something before us and mm-hmm. then they would follow it up with the you know the exhaust fume laugh Mm-hmm. So it's like they constantly like that was their device to tell us, hey, the Soviets are winning. Mm-hmm. Or the scenes where like um, um, oh, uh, Jaeger was blacking out. You saw that like little blackness and everything. It's just a small cinematography. We we talk, You mentioned like the special effects or quotes weren't the best. And you're not wrong. Those few moments of them showing uh, the capsule flying in space were a little chintzy, but... Those key moments right there with the first person view, the sparks in space, uh, they were they were good choices. Uh, yeah, and it also top- wouldn't be toppling end over end like it was. It would be more of a uh, spiral type thing, like a football instead of a. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, when you compare it to other like space films made today, like Gravity and all those other ones, which go for those hard special effects. So I, th- oh, like, that's I what- thought First Man had amazing effects when it came to these ships they just looked good see i need to see that film it's that's a series you said i need no, to see that's that the series. movie first man oh yeah no that's right that's right the, that's about the moon no, i'm talking for all mankind is the series that you need to watch that's Which is the an one alternate, alternate universe where the soviets beat us to the moon i will definitely need to try to find that one because that's it's awesome it's really awesome it's like they were beating us, so America dumps even more money into NASA, so we have a moon base. Ooh. Ooh. I like this. Oh, yeah. It was awesome. So, again, I, I know I gave an additional thought, last thought. Does anyone else have any well, of their own additional last thoughts? Well, I was just saying, some. I think some of those surreal moments, like the uh, bright lights and the little colors that like Jaeger would see when he was experiencing the G-Force, the very beginning of the movie, the narrator mentioned that a lot of those test pilots were chasing a demon. Mm-hmm. They were chasing that demon on the needle. So I think that was kind of a representation of that quote-unquote demon they were chasing. Mm-hmm. But um, other than that, like, I really dug the cinematography of this movie. And I don't think the special effects were that bad. They, they weren't. They weren't. They, were, they, don't they, do they, a whole, they don't do a whole lot with them. And a lot of the, the, like the, the rocket launches and all that other stuff, that was just stock footage that they was. used. It's like one of those things. It's one of those movies that the special effects were done just right that it will hold up timeless. It's a timeless movie. I mean, there's very few scenes that you can you watch in this that you would look at and you'd be like, yeah, this is really old, you know? Mm hmm. I mean, guys, we're we're in 2020. This film was made in 1983. It's still fantastic. Yeah. The only scenes that I would point out 
would be John Glenn's orbit. Every other scene in that is top notch. I mean, mm-hmm. they used miniatures for a lot of the fi- the uh, plane scenes, and you can't even tell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I think the special effects were really good in this movie, but uh, the acting was so good. Every character on this movie was just really, really good. And what's amazing is that I know that some of the actors and actresses in this movie are pretty popular, pretty well known, went on to have pretty good careers, or were already having good careers in Hollywood. But some of them, like characters like or actors like Scott Glenn, who played um, Shepard. Mm-hmm. Um, they went on to have bit parts in other movies, but I just got to thinking about it. I was running some IMDb searches on car- on actors like Scott Glenn in this movie. He's never given a bad performance in anything he's been in. And this, so this movie was cast very well. Mm-hmm. And I do think that some of the other actors in the movie that, are, that have gone on to be really good actors, like Ed Harris, I think Ed Harris is one of the best actors in Hollywood. Oh yeah. I mean, that's one, the one thing that I always look is like, you can watch the same actor in two different movies. If you will finish those movies and you realize that those are two different people, they're a good actor. Ben Stiller, like as zany as his characters are, you watch two of his movies. They're two completely different characters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You watch this movie. And the next week we're going to watch Apollo 13. Both characters are played by Ed Harris. Gene Kranz to Alan Shepard, they are not Ed Harris. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of actors that can really put themselves into a role and make you believe that they're that character. Um, I just got done watching last night. I watched the remake of True Grit. And, oh, um, good film, yeah. Jeff, Jeff Bridges was awesome in that movie. And he's not anywhere even close to the dude, <laughs> you know, or... Or he's not Obadiah Stane like he is in Iron Man. He's, you know, he really is Rooster Cogburn. And I love the fact that he played Rooster Cogburn so differently from John Wayne. I was going to think, I was thinking the same you know, thing. He he, yeah, he's not trying, he's not pretending to be John Wayne, pretending to be Rooster Cogburn. He's just playing a different version of Rooster Cogburn. He's not, yeah. he doesn't play it. And the John Wayne version of True Grit is an amazing film as well. It's just as good as the remake. I really don't think either one's better than the other. It's just, I love that Jeff Bridges, usually when they do a remake, they cast somebody and then that actor or actress tries to emulate what the actor or actress before them did in that same role. Mm-hmm. But Jeff Bridges doesn't. He plays Rooster Cogburn completely different from John Wayne. I, I really like that. But I'm going, I don't want to go on a, a rant or a tangent about Jeff Bridges or, <laughs> or, or, or that. I'm just saying that there are some actors, like Josh said, that just go into a role and they're completely different people from when they're mm-hmm. in their next role. And so we're going to use Ed Harris uh, as our connector, and he's going to connect us to next week's movie, Apollo 13, which is another favorite of mine. I'm so happy we're doing these two movies back to back. It's so yes, awesome. Yes. It's, it's, so nat- great. it's almost a natural progression. It's yeah. uh, it's perfectly planned. Yeah. And, and Apollo 13 is another one where you look at the cast of that movie and you're like, well, no wonder why it's so good. I mean, it's got Tom Hanks, it's got Ed Harris, it's got Gary Sinise, it's got Kevin Bacon. It's got some really, really good actors in that movie, and I'm really looking forward to watching it. Just like I was really looking forward to watching this one. I knew this one was going to be a long movie, but I was really looking forward to seeing it. Yeah, this this has been a fantastic... The past couple movies we've been watching have just been amazing. Not, I mean, each one's had a different level of themselves, but just the experience of watching with you guys right here has been just fan-freaking-tastic. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I know eventually... I know eventually and there's this no way to avoid it eventually we're going to get to another bad movie <laughs> or another another not so great flick mm-hmm. um, although looking at our roadmap to independence day it's going to be at least a few more weeks before we get there one thing i w- i'm glad we decided to go on this route of not just only doing bad movies because 
I was so afraid that if we only did bad movies, eventually these Friday nights would start to feel like a chore. Yeah. Something we got to get to. Like, oh my God, I'm not wanting another Pathfinder. I'll do anything. I start licking mm-hmm. door, I'll lick doorknobs so I can get the COVID so I don't have to do it. <laughs> Guys, I'm sick. Yeah. Dude, this is yeah. the fourth week in a row you've had the COVID. I'm yeah. sick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm glad we're doing good movies as on and mediocre movies and bad movies. We're just kind of running the whole spectrum. Mm-hmm. But these last few weeks have just been a treat. And uh, I really enjoyed this one tonight and can't wait till next week. I, I love Apollo 13. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. And I'm really looking forward to watching it with you guys because it's, I don't know. It's just watching them with you guys is just the best. Yeah, it's been a blast. I'm enjoying this. I'm pausing to insert um, dramatic, sappy music right here. Dun, 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 dun. Or uh, what was it? The one on Scrubs all the time? Da, 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 da. <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> uh, but I think um, I, I, I'm looking forward to it myself. I, I think I've close i've closed you know i've closed out the past couple of these does someone else want to do the final uh close out um farewells for this okay I, i'll go for it then and that and tonight uh, that was the right stuff and this has been the fire pit podcast uh join us next week when we go through apollo 13 again using ed harris from this movie as our connector uh it's a great segue too because both movies are about nasa so but the, the next one's a disaster flick. Will the crew of Apollo 13 survive? <gasps> don't spoil it now. Yeah, don't don't spoil yeah, it. No yeah. spoilers. Yeah. Yeah. Don't Google the answers, people. Don't Google the answers. So, <laughs> but I've been Dan. I've been Josh. And I've been Tom. Thanks for listening. Good night. Good night. Good, good luck. Good luck.